0: Hello everyone, I'm Anand and I'm the Group Director of Revenue Management and Distribution at Wolf Hotels Management Limited in Hong Kong. In this episode of 5 Leadership Ideas for today, I would be hosting Mr. Louis Roden, the CEO and Managing Partner of Inspire Consulting Group. Louis has over 25 years of experience in a range of functions including organizational development human capital, and brand communication. He has served in leadership positions in hospitality, logistics, finance technology firms, and several successful tech startups. As founder of Inspire Consulting Group, Lewis has worked with hotel companies like Starwood, Hilton, Windham, Intercontinental, and also Wharf Hotels. Lewis is an old friend of Worf Hotels, and was actively involved in the formation of the Red Ring Leadership Model, which is practiced within our company. He is based in San Diego in California. So thank you for joining us, Luis, and welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
1: I am doing well Anand. thank you so much it's been uh it's uh it's a joy and a privilege to be able to join you I've followed your your past episodes and I really enjoyed them so when I got the in- invitation I I felt honored so thank you for having me
0: great so Lois let's get right into it so uh I have been now working in the hotel business um, or in the industry for the last 17 years or so, and I've seen some sort of evolution in leadership. You know, there was a time when hotels used to be run uh, with a command and control kind of mindset. (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, leadership was essentially unidirectional. Uh, But nowadays, I see flatter structures. And because hotel companies are expanding, um, it's also a highly matrixed structure. So my first question to you, Lewis, would be that what is your overarching thought about the evolution of leadership in modern and if I may say so, rather uncertain times? That's a great question. And
1: and it you're you're right in your assessment of of how it's migrated from this command and control environment. And that was the expectation from the top. I give orders, you follow orders, and Correct. you execute right and um and then even the people that that worked in that environment you know all all they wanted from working on was a uh, you know the phrase was i want a fair day's pay for a fair day's work Correct. right nobody was looking for any emotional connection or or they didn't think they were looking for it they didn't realize they wanted it yes. right and those were the days of the you know the classic angry gm angry executive chef angry <laughs> <laughs> you know and and and, and as things evolved, right? And we finally evolved a, a a bit more into this, I call it this reward and recognition environment. Yeah. You know, when we you remember when we started doing employee of the quarter and employee of the year, and 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 we started to realize like, wow, we can't just demand from these people. We've got gotta we've got to do some recognition. Um uh, and now even before the pandemic that began to migrate more because people began to realize that that work was personal you know there's that old adage my friend that it's business it's not personal that's hmm. nonsense
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: It's all personal, especially business. And when you spend 80 percent of your life at work, my friend, that's personal. Right. And I've said that in every program I've done in all five continents, regardless of the culture, that where you spend that time and the leaders that began to grasp that and understand that. Right. Uh, um, And it's more about just trading a paycheck for work. Right. It's. It's, it's an understanding and an acceptance. We like to call it stewardship that people spend more, th- especially in our business and on, right? Yes. Especially in hospitality, people spend more time doing their job at work than they do with their families, than they do with their children, right. right? So when we understand and appreciate that we need to provide a little something a bit more, and especially coming through the pandemic, I think it demonstrated actively That relationships never meant more than they do now. And we talked about relationships, we've talked about it in in Red Ring and our training programs. We've talked about it in other programs. It really came to light there because command and control was certainly not effective in, in, in the COVID environment, right? You know, we we had to build and develop and lean on our relationships to help people understand that as we migrated through this mystery. Mm. And that's what it was, on. It was a mystery. You mm. know, all, all of us, to a person, thought it can't go long. It'll be over by spring. Do you remember? Good. It'll be over by summer. It'll Good. be over by fall. And mate, it kept going, you know? And, you know, some leaders fell into this, uh, this thing we we began to identify as toxic optimism of everything's going to be okay and everything's not going to be okay. And how do we recognize that? And how do we migrate, migrate it through together, right? So the the new mantra going forward, and it was always there. I don't know if it was the loudest music, but it was always there, is is developing and nurturing trust with people at all levels, 360. And if you're in an environment where you don't trust your leader or you don't trust your peer or you don't trust your subordinates, right, it's... It's hard to do. It's hard to get things done in the best of times. Right. So that's why when you when you active, actively as a leader, go forward daily, intentfully, my friend. Right. Because sometimes you'll build trust with somebody by accident. Right. Just by the fact that they're nearby or around. But when you build trust intentfully, because, you know, in trying times that trust will be tested, um, uh, that's, that's the payoff and it's good for everyone. So I think leaders throughout COVID and going forward out of COVID, the leaders that were trusted by their people, truly trusted, mm-hmm. um, they did well and, and, uh, and they were believed they were understood. They were listened to people paid attention. If you weren't trusted, you, uh, uh, you had a
0: frustrating two years, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. Understand? No, very valid point you you made, um, Louis. Um, I heard the word stewardship. That's what uh, was was very invigorating. And I heard the word trust. And I heard the word uh, intentionally. So that that brings me to the next question, and, and it's actually a good segue. That uh, um, I have worked with different kinds of uh, leaders and bosses in the past. On one end end of the extreme, there is this proverbial nice boss. Okay, who would be uh, very nice to work with, very comfortable to work with, very kind-hearted, uh, but they fail to challenge you. They fail to indicate where are your blind spots. So, so this is one extreme. Now, on the other extreme, we have bosses who could be an absolute tyrant. Okay, They get the job done, but they leave a trail of dead bodies on the way. <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) In my opinion, both extremes are bad. So, how do we find the Goldilocks zone? How can we be uh, empathetic towards our employees and also not be too aggressive in our approach? Okay. So, where is that right balance?
1: Yeah, that's a great. Uh, um, I like to, you. You drew a great analogy, my friend, and and I call it. There's that other extreme. It's Disney leadership, and look, I love the Disney company. So I, I, I you know, but but it's that idea of everything's hearts and flowers, and everything can be fixed with a hug. No, everything can't be fixed with a hug. Right, you know, you you do have to have a, a far more pragmatic approach, Good right? right. Uh, um, and the other extreme, I've I've seen it as well. I agree that you see somebody deliver the number, whatever the number is, and they leave destruction in their wake. The middle point is is simple. I I think now it's simple, but it's not easy, <laughs> right? Is that when when you reach a level of mutual accountability with your team, right? And Again, that mutual accountability is built and I don't mean to be a broken record my friend, but it's important to talk about built on a foundation of trust. So if you're my leader and you have hard feedback for me and I trust you, I'll listen. Mm. Right? And 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 because and because I the reason I trust you is you've given me the proper feedback at the proper time. I'm building mm. like some of these things that build trust. Right, you listen when I have something to say. Right, mm-hmm. you you get me back on track when I'm off track. Right, you you don't tell me good news when there's bad news to be heard. Mm-hmm. Right. So so you built all that trust. So when somebody pulls me aside or pulls you aside and say, look, I think we've I could I think this could have been done better, or I think we missed the point on this, and I have some corrective feedback for you. You listen because it's an environment of trust. Right, I hate to bring it back to parenthood, but I'm a I'm a father of of two sons, so it's the if that I I can you, if I give feedback to my kids and they trust me, right? And they I believe you, Dad. I believe that this is the right way to do it instead of the. If they don't trust me, they they nod and they tell me whatever they think I want to hear, and then they go back to doing the bad thing. My friend, it's the same thing in leadership. So now look the the uh, uh the dictator you talked about the autocrat. He will get results, right? He or she will get results from fear, right? And fear, as we know, is a very compelling motivator, but it's a short-term motivator, Correct. right? And people, all, although they, they will respond to fear, they will try to move themselves away from the thing that made them fearful, always right? Okay. Uh, uh, unless it's an adrenaline rush, like a bungee jumper or something, right? But as far as a work environment, um, those people will, will just find their way out or leave or just try to fly, fly under the radar, right? So the middle part is, and I think of the, best, uh, of the best bosses I've had, Anon, the best leaders that I've had were very tough on me, had very high expectations. And I go back to what's the common denominator? <laughs> these were in different industry in different <laughs> places. My friend, it was always, they took the time to develop a relationship with me and I trusted them and they trusted me. Right. So I think that's the balance, right? That's the, that's the middle point. And, and how do we nurture that trust? Because I think a lot of leaders and not, they confuse, they confuse trust with reliability. Correct. Right. So they think, well, You know, I do what I say I'm going to do. I'm on time. I don't lie. I keep my word. Those things make you reliable. They don't necessarily make you trustworthy. right? Right. And we got to realize that that trust are rooted in these relationships that we have with our people. And it's a leader's responsibility. Right. To I think that beautiful zone that you talked about is as a leader, I put on that lens every day at work saying, I want to develop relationships with people and, 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 and grow trust and there'll be a lot of people that aren't like me, right? They'll look different. They'll sound different. They'll Mm -hmm. love different. They'll pray to a different God. They'll, they'll, they'll have a different accent. I, I have to transcend all those tribal things. And that's what they are that leaders have to deal with and develop relationships with that beautiful rainbow. And if I do that, right, then I don't need to be the tyrant, right? Nor do I have to give everybody a hug all the time. I'll realize I'll give the I'll give the hugs at the right time, and sometimes I got to give the tough feedback at at the right time. If it's an environment rich with relationships and trust,
0: it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was a great analogy. That uh, leadership is no different from parenthood. Um, <laughs> Just how I bring up my seven-year-old daughter with love and discipline. I guess a good leader needs to practice both yeah. with uh, with with oodles of trust, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So this brings me to, to the next question, um, Lois, that uh, um, you, you know how we are structured at Wharf. We have uh, hotels and then we have a corporate office. So we have mm-hmm. on-property leaders and we have above-property leaders right now. And, and one a very common... Um, Challenge that we face on, uh, at times is, uh, is is the difficulty of leading a team who does not formally report to you. Mm. and is based remotely in another destination. So in your opinion, how can we humanize this a bit more and increase our influence? Um, Is leadership location agnostic and depends on formal lines of relationship? Because when I read the stories of leaders like Gandhi and Mandela, they didn't have any formal lines of reporting on them. No, right. right? No, (laughs) (laughs) they didn't have an org chart. (laughs) Correct, correct. And and yet their influence was... uh, Loud. So, how how can we increase our influence whilst not being physically present with our followers?
1: Yeah, that's wow. You know, and and um, again, a, a great analogy and and a powerful one, right? Uh, um, and I I I want to inspire all our leaders to 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 <laughs> see themselves as potentially having that kind of level of influence because that's what it is. It's influence, right? Correct. And When you don't have authority, right, you know, uh, um, you know, we always say that if if you just have authority, all you get is compliance. Right. And if you have influence and you can inspire people, then you get commitment. And we don't want just uh, um, we just don't want compliance. We want commitment. So it comes back to what I mentioned briefly, uh, I think, uh, a bit ago about that idea around mutual accountability, mutual goals. Mutual success, right? That we all have to win. We win together, or we fail together, right? We can't do it alone, right? Revenue management can't do it without finance. Can't do it without human resources. Can't do it without operations. Even at the hotel level, it's the same thing, right? And you've seen it, I'm sure. And on that, you know, some hotels struggle when they get really siloed, yeah. right? That sales and marketing doesn't care what's going on anywhere else as long as they're hitting their numbers, or engineering, or 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 housekeeping, right? And Transcending that and looking at it, I always look at it like, like a team on, on the foot, on the football pitch, right? That, that the midfielder doesn't work for the striker and the goalie doesn't work for the defender. I mean, there's no, yeah, there's a team captain, but when they're on the field, they're all working together because Mm. they know that if we don't work together, we're going to lose the match. We're going to fail right and uh it's the same thing in any kind of team environment that sometimes i think we have to think a little bit we have to think a bit like athletes right in that everybody has a specific expectation a specific uh uh level of performance that we want to see play out but that's the easy part understanding how that fits in the collective yeah right how that fits in the total right if if it If RM gives sales and marketing a bad rate for a group, right, and we price ourselves out of the market for this particular group, we all fail. So the F&B team can't feed them, right? Ops can't service them. I mean, and vice versa. I mean, it's it's a full cycle. So people – and it's leaders' responsibility – to make sure that people have, and it's one of our value. It's, it's part of stay sharp. That's the holistic approach. That's what the H stands for in sharp. We have to have a holistic approach to our business. It's not just me being good at my vertical. It's mm-hmm. me understanding the horizontal mm-hmm. and how everything fits. So when there's another function, and maybe these people don't report to me or don't work for me per se, or maybe there's a dotted line relationship to somebody at corporate, but they have a hard line relationship to a GM or something like that. They've still, it's critically important for people to understand how does this all fit in the hole? And it is often talking about why, you know, we've made this decision, why? And that why should never be, well, corporate said so, (laughs) right? (laughs) There's, there's got, there's got to be some dialogue. There's got to be some uh, uh, because we want people to understand what that balance is.
0: Understand? No, you, you spoke about departmental silos, Lewis. and and this brings me to the next question, uh, which is that uh, in in the particular department of revenue management, um, for someone uh, who deals with a lot of data and uh, generally. Revenue leaders don't have a large team. Sometimes reservations right. uh, does report to them. Sometimes it doesn't. They sometimes tend to lose the, the softer human side of the thing <laughs> because, because, you because know, they're, they're so grounded in data and analytics all the time. Uh, so how can uh, these specialists practice leadership? Um, they've acquired deep functional expertise and, and uh, are known for doing what they do. But how can they progress within the vertical of leadership uh, with no followers as such? <laughs> no, that's a fair question. I'll tell a
1: quick story, Anand. Um, you know, when I joined the, the hotel business and, and I had a half a day mm-hmm. with our regional revenue manager, mm-hmm. um, and he was going to teach me about revenue management, mm-hmm. right? And when, I remember being in his office with the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. um and he's telling me about how it works and at the end of it he said you know what it's art and science mm-hmm. you know you try to use all the science but at the end of the day you still got to make the call right? <laughs> of this rate for this group on this weekend you know da 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 up right and we had a great conversation right because i was the i was the regional for hr and he was the regional dorm right and uh uh you know, the conversation centered around the data isn't for the for the benefit of the data. Right. Mm. The, de- the It's it's for um, it's for the people that take action on the data, Right. And he's like, I agree 100 percent. And he said, although in revenue management, we're analytical and we liaise a great deal with um, sometimes our sales and marketing brethren. Right. We've got to cast a broader net right? Mm -hmm. We've got it because it's our responsibility to demystify. That's the word he used. And I loved it. I still use it to this day, um, in a lot of different facets, we have to demystify revenue management for the people that work in our hotels. Mm -hmm. Right. And if a revenue manager has a great tertiary goal, Mm -hmm. I think that's it. Right. Of, of, of how do we, how do we have our, our people, um, in, especially in key, in key roles throughout our hotels or even corporate, understand what revenue what revenue management means to the organization. Right. Because um, and and again, back to trust and relationships. If you say, hey, I want to talk to you, I want to give you some information, I want to share with you what my department or my function means in your world. If I have a relationship with you, Anand, if if I trust you, I'll listen. If you're a stranger, Right. Maybe I'll listen, but probably not. Right. Mm-hmm. And what I challenge anybody in a technical role, whether they're I.T., whether they're finance, revenue management, engineering. Act, the finest thing that you can do for your leadership repertoire mm-hmm. is find people in your hotel or find people in your corporate office that you don't know that well and make it your mission mm-hmm. to develop a relationship with that person. Back to that first word that I abused at the beginning, be intentful about it. A lot of relationships happen by accident, good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, when you met your best friend, you probably didn't go out on a mission to make a best friend Yes. or meet your spouse. And yes. maybe some of us did, but, right? But, but a lot of those things just unfold by accident, right? Yeah. Leaders cannot leave that to chance, right? They can't. They can't go to work. Say, well, I hope I accidentally develop relationships today. They have to be intentful about it. And every revenue management person in every hotel is a leader. So it's your my challenge is it's your responsibility to go into your hotel, or if you're a regional or a corporate, to go into whatever environment, all those environments, and actively look for people that you don't know and develop relationships, right? Because um, because every piece of data shows you know, to appeal to the data people. Are not. It all shows that one of the biggest driver of a leader's success is their ability to build relationships with others. And one of the biggest drivers of a leader's failure is their inability to build relationships. But, and so when you make it purposeful, right, yes. it can be very, very powerful. And especially when you're in a role that's not HR, not sales and marketing, not ops. So it doesn't, it doesn't make you do it, right? It doesn't immerse you In relationships, like some of those roles do. Right. Uh, You've got to choose to do it. That's what even makes
0: it more powerful because it's a choice. I fully agree that these accidents are less likely to happen if you if you work in a technical role. So you have to have to be more intentional about it. That's it. A very That's valid it? point. And thank you for sharing your perspective on that. And, and before we started this podcast, uh, um, you mentioned something very uh, significant, that that leadership is easy when the sun is shining. You know? mm. But the real litmus test is when things get difficult. So as you would appreciate this year and last year, we had hotel associates that that had to undergo several rounds of pay cuts. And this was on top of the added challenge of not being able to see their families. Do you have any last words to share on how to provide hope to people when you are a leader?
1: Wow. You know, it's it's uh, um, you know, you don't you don't understand um, how strong you are until your strength is needed right and and the perseverance and endurance that people have needed over the past 2 years um is 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 incredible right and you know i it's i saw a quote once that said something along the lines of you're stronger uh you're stronger than you believe right you're smarter than you think right and there was something else it's 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 our ability to carry on. Right. And a lot of people, and you probably know this, Anand, that so many people have left hospitality. Right. Because because hospitality was the safe place. And and the people that were hoteliers, nobody complained about the business like we did, but we never left. (laughs) We, We always stayed. And there's been a migration away because people have said, well, you know, it's not stable. My friend, there's nothing stable, nothing stable. It, there's st- stability is anti-nature, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we've got to accept that, uh, um, that days, weeks, year, months, years won't go as planned. Right. So as long as, as far as leadership goes, we've got to be nimble, right? We have to be versatile. You know, we have to, uh, um, we, we, look, we have to learn from the past. We have to understand the data and the background and the things that we've learned. But we also have to accept that whatever happens next won't be like what happened before. And our ability to be flexible, right, our ability to counter our, 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 our wiring. And what I mean by that is our wiring says when there's danger and things are difficult, we get inwardly focused. Right, uh, and I get it because that's what's kept us alive. That's what protects us. Right. What we need to do is be outwardly focused. Right, and say that if we've spent the time we've just talked about in the last half hour, if we've spent time building trust, if we've spent time developing relationships, and when times are difficult and times do get bleak, then you lean on those relationships. Right, and and people do trust you, and and nobody suffers alone. In good times, nobody laughs alone. They shouldn't. Right. And in hard times, none of us suffer alone. Right. We all got to get through it together. And then when we come out of the dark and we've we've learned some of these lessons together as a group, hopefully we carry those messages and those ideas forward. You know, I always say anybody that's ever opened a hotel, you never forget that team they opened the hotel with because they're long days and long nights. Right. Mm -hmm. Or or close the hotel. Right. And I've talked to people who've led led their hotels through through. Reactor meltdowns and tsunamis and um, hotels in war zones in Syria. I mean, and you talk to the teams that have done these things, and they'll the they talk about the people that they did it with, right? And everybody was there for each other. Nobody let everybody down. Everybody was there to lend a hand. Everybody was there to listen, right? And those are the lessons that we've got to remember and go forward. We've got to do all those things, mate. Not just when. It's hard, not just when it's dark. You know, we've got to be ready to lend a hand and listen and work together and cooperate when the sun's up now. Right. You know, uh, uh, we've got to take the lessons we've learned in pain. And when we're not in pain, continue to live those beautiful lessons. That's what we need to do.
0: Got it. Good. Louis, it was a pleasure. (laughs) My pleasure. And thank you so much for sharing your perspective. I hope our listeners enjoyed as much as I did. I hope I can record more sessions with you uh, in the forthcoming future. And and, and look forward to working closely with you for uh, the next round of uh, Red Ring Leadership, okay? Uh, Thank you so much for your time. Cheers. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation, please follow the podcast and share the link with others. Happy learning.